three, two, one. Well, Heidi Ho, happy Monday, and welcome to another, another exciting edition of the Dennis and Andy Show, the Monday interview show, if you will, Dennis. It is. It has become the Monday interview show, and we have not disappointed yet. No, we have not, but we will, I'm sure, at some point. <laughs> My parents didn't call me a disappointment for nothing. I got to live up to that. Oh, we'll get you a T-shirt and it'll even have an arrow pointing. That's right. You will get you a T-shirt that says I'm with disappointment with an arrow (laughs) pointing. (laughs) My wife wears it already, so it's good. That's right. I see you're in your man cave this time. I did. I got into my man cave. We had uh, that Internet glitch this uh, the other week and kind of found out why. Signal's just not strong enough down there. and. My wife got her work done, so, you know, because she has taken over my man cave in order to do her COVID work from home. I got to say, with the way you have it, I've been in that room, but just the way you're set up with the perspective going back the way it is, it really almost looks like that's a fake background on a green screen, but I know it's not. For anybody who's looking, it's not. It's actually a real room. With tons of comics. I do. Lots of comics. All right, well, let's stop beating around the bush. We're going to bring on our guest, Mr. Keith Champagne. He's worked on things such as Aztec, World War III, Countdown Arena, even, Dennis, did you know this, adolescent radioactive black belt hamsters. No, and you know, the funny thing is, I remember reading that, but I did not know that was Keith. Well, no, no, this is not the original from way back in the day. Oh, uh, Ghostbusters and uh, him and I actually did WWE Heroes together, among other things. Oh, my. I can't wait to hear some of these stories. Oh, yeah. Oh, there he is. Mr. Keith in the, his house. Hey, guys. How's it going? Andy, can how's you say World going? War Three again? Because that was great. You were like, World War Three. World War. <laughs> That's my speech impediment. Wow. Way to make fun of my speech impediment, Keith. That's not cool. I rode the short bus for a while, and there you go, throwing down. Schwarzeneggerism. What's what? It's a Schwarzeneggerism. Oh, it's Schwarzenegger. All right. Yeah, yeah it is. It do, is. Uh, wait, I'm going to do it again. And he wrote the series WW3. See, that yeah, doesn't okay. work. WW3? Yeah, I think doesn't. you're conflating some projects. Wait, what did you do on WW3? So WWE is different no. from World War III. I know. WWE, <laughs> you wrote and I drew. World War Three. you wrote as well. And you also drew part of that. Right, yeah, I only drew one of them, though. So yeah. It was the worst one out of the four. <laughs> well, I, mean, yeah. I, mean, I mean, that was, you know, you said, like, before in your intro, you're talking about disappointment. Disappointments and like having a T-shirt, like I'm with disappointment. 
that was definitely uh, the World War Three books. Yours was the disappointment. Oh, I see how this interview is going to go. <laughs> yeah, it's not going to be so much about Keith. It's going to be Andy's show. <laughs> Apparently not, man. I mean, just because I've known. I mean, so so for everybody out there, Keith and I have known each other for 16, 17 years now. So you know, we have a nice repertoire of busting chops. If yeah, you will, I think. Well, I met you. Or we got to know each other when I think it's like 2003. Daughter, your daughter was uh, newly born. Yeah. And yeah, my so, wife was pregnant with my first son. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, a while ago now. And I've known Dennis for two years now, I think. Yeah. I like him better than I like you. That's yeah, usually what happens. Everybody everybody says that. I'm so we, we, were, we were having a, a debate. Was it uh, Buffalo Wild Wings or Smashburger where we met first? Ooh. So I think we went to Smashburger. Bam. And then the second time we went to Wild Wings. Yep. Right. All right. Fine. My memory's not what it used to be. Yep. Got oh, it. Appreciate that, Keith. Yeah. <laughs> what? What hairline? What memory and what hairline? Exactly. Maybe I should just. I could just do this. Yeah, that's I could, better. I could do that, and you girls can just chat. <laughs> no, no, we have to have a. A, a talking head in order to there we go there how's that you can just yeah, see compare, the the circle compare the circle picture of you to the drawing you did of yourself <laughs> yeah i look exactly the same except the i don't have a hat on in the like circle you did like all the crack and all the meth and then you were a picture of yourself oh that's so hurtful <laughs> I, all right no, Dennis. you know what it is you know what it is it's actually pretty close to the same face. It's just you see the cowboy's hat, and that gives you the impression of the crack in the meth. <laughs> yeah, you know, you're right. That's <laughs> I couldn't put my finger on it. Yeah. That's 100% what it is. That's it. All right, all right, Dennis, ask him a question, for God's sakes. So one of the things that always interests me, especially with you guys that have been in there for a while, I, I know Andy's story, but I'm kind of curious. How did you break in, in into the business and what was really the first thing that you did? So the very, very first thing that I did, um, I was working at a, an art store in the in the Rockway Mall. I went to the Cubert School, like Andy did, but different years. And I was working at the Coney Art Emporium in the Rockway Mall to make some extra money. And uh, Tom Mandrake and Jan Dersma came in one night to buy some art supplies. And I, would, I wouldn't have recognized them, uh, except that Tom paid with his credit card or you know, debit card or whatever it was. They never yeah. substituted when you were there at the school? No, I had never met him before. Oh. So now, is I, this, just to interject real quick, is this working there after you graduated? or? No, this is while I was in school. I worked all three years while I was in school. So this is third year then? or This is my second year. Okay. So I was like, you know, I geeked out a little bit. Like I couldn't believe I was meeting like working professionals that went to the Cubert school. And so I, you know, they probably met a million students over the years, but to me, it was a big deal to, to meet them. And Tom was nice enough to like, give me his, his phone number and like give me a call sometime. Uh, long story short, I would call him once in a while and he was always nice enough to talk to me. And then he hired me to ink some background stuff oh. over uh, Jim Aparo pencils on, on a job he was, it was a nightfall job he was doing. 
which was a storyline back in the like 92 or whatever it was. So he, you know, he gave me some very simple pages just to do the straight line stuff. And, uh, and liked it enough that he let me do a couple other things for him. And I was off to the races from there. How were Basically. Jim's pencils? Uh, they were, every, I mean, from what I remember, everything was there in his pencils. I wish I still had copies of them, you know, and then it was kind of amazing. Like when I would drop pages off back with Tom, he would, you know, ink some stuff in front of me just mm -hmm. to let me know, like show me like what he would like, for instance, if I did the straight lines on a gun that a character was holding, then Tom would go in and render the, the texture of the gun and the, the smoky metal texture and stuff. So it was like a second art school, like watching someone really do this stuff uh, you know, in real time for me. And it was a real, a real eye opener, a very informative, educational. And then he paid me too, which was even more of a bonus. Oh, that's cool. Double bonus. Yeah. So from there I met, uh, I forget how I met Ken Branch, but he was inking uh, three or four books a month for, for DC and, and um, Valiant, I think it was. And uh, so he started using me on, on different books. And uh, it, I mean, it wasn't a secret, like his editors knew that he had a background guy. And uh, so that's, I sort of got to know the people from DC a little bit uh, from working with Ken. And then in my third year at the Kubert School, uh, I showed Andy Kubert some ink samples that I had done. And he liked it enough to give me some of his pencils to play with and do samples over. And then he showed those samples to Bob Harris and I got hired while I was in my third year to start working on the X-Men books. Oh, oh, that's cool. I didn't know that. See, you learn something new every day. I know. I, know. I mean, you no, know, and I look back at that work and I don't know what anyone saw in it. That right. I think I could do this professionally. Do you still um, have copies of the samples you did I over Andy? Somewhere, like I have a lot of, we moved recently and all my stuff's in boxes and things. But I do have yeah. some ink samples. I did one over Alan Davis that got me uh, work at DC at the same time as I was working at Marvel. Uh, some Lamita samples, you know, the Andy stuff. Uh, I, I guess the basics were there, but I definitely didn't really know what I was doing. It was more. Uh, so Ramita, did you, Ramita Jr. or Sr.? Uh, Ramita Jr. Oh, man, that's hard stuff, too, especially when you're first, like, you know, out of the gate. Oh, no, I cheated. Because I would, it was like Punisher War Journal stuff. So I would oh, go so you looked at what... the issue and I would oh. just copy Klaus Janssen's line weights. Okay. And, and I was going to say, because like, I look at Ramita's stuff now. I've got a couple pencil pages of his from, you know, a few years ago, stuff he did at DC. I assume they were blue line inked. So I bought the couple pages of pencils just because they were cheap and cool. And I, I look at those and I know I could ink them, but, you know, there'd be some trepidation just because of how he pencils. Yeah, you got to do a lot of thinking. You got to really think on your feet with that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Wow. And of course, you remember, you remember our teacher, Tex Blaisdell, the great Tex Blaisdell. Oh, that yeah. Was, that was always something he would tell me. Was it inking is thinking? Yeah. Yeah. You know? And, and uh, he's right. A lot of inking is thinking. It's about yeah. three minutes. It's about three minutes of thinking when you start a page to kind of solve all the problems in your mind. And then the next six or seven hours, you're just on autopilot, like implementing the solutions. What's this six or seven hours garbage you're talking about? Well, <laughs> That's a, that's a long time to spend on a page. You're yeah, talking two pages, right? <laughs>
So are, are you still old school, you know, doing paper or, or have you gone digital or you combo? Um, I'm 90% digital now. Okay. And uh, I could never imagine inking digitally a few years ago. And then my buddy Tom Nguyen kind of like coached me a little bit on what equipment to get and you know, like how to approach the stuff. And uh, I started going digital when I when I broke my leg a few years ago, because I was I was immobilized for a bit and I could only you know work on a computer. Uh, and it would take me like 14 hours to ink a page digitally. Like I just didn't know what I was doing. And right. The the one problem with digital is it's it's too easy to erase what you've done, you know, to control Z and go back a step and erase, you know, so it was like every line, it was so easy to get rid of the lines I didn't like and go back and do them over and over and over. Uh, but then I, you know, I slowly got to like inking digitally. And now I do most of my work on, on an iPad Pro in ah. Clip Studio. And so then you know, for you some sure. stuff, like, you know, some stuff, uh, if it's a splash page or something cool, I might still do it on, on paper. But honestly, after 25, 26 years being behind a drawing table, like my back is shot. Like my back is really achy from from the way I my posture, you know, sits over the over the drawing table. And it doesn't bother me as much when I'm on the iPad. It's uh, I can lay on the couch or whatever and ink that way. So, so you don't use your Surface anymore, your Microsoft Surface, because I know you started on that. Yeah, I started. No, I don't use that anymore. And I have a uh, to my right of me, I have the Surface, and then over. Well, here it would be this way because I'm backwards on the screen. I have a Wacom, and right in front of me, I'm talking to you on my iPad Pro. And the iPad okay. Pro is the only one I use. I use it for writing and for inking. Right. Oh, that's cool. That's yeah. cool. It is. It is. Well, I'm a huge X-Men fan, um, which I, I, everybody who watches knows. And I know you worked on some of the X-Men stuff and Excalibur. Um, so... Yeah, so I'm assuming you just got it as the work came in with Marvel. They just said, hey, why don't you try this? Hey, why don't you try that, right? Pretty much, yeah. The first thing that Marvel gave me uh, was two covers for an X-Men reprint book that uh, Mike Parabek was doing the covers for. Hmm. And in the, they like those enough that they gave me Joe Monterero pages from Uncanny X-Men to jump on. Um, oh, I never. Oh, that's cool. Back when you know, when Monterero was just starting out too, I think he was in like a year longer than me at that point. Yeah. Uh, and then I don't remember the order, but then it was like you know, here's half an issue of Wolverine. Can you can you crank this out in four days? You know, here's six pages of Excalibur. Uh, as I say, and I'm doing this at the same time as I'm trying to keep up with my classwork at the Cuba School because I'm still in school at the time. So I ended up hiring students, my my friends in class, to do my homework for me. <laughs> so wait, was this third year or second? This is year? Third year, yeah. Third, okay. third year. So I hired my friends to do my assignments for me, and then I could focus on, you know, on the actual work. Were you huh. past the point in the school year where if you were to go, you know what, I've got work, I might as well drop out and get some money back to where you couldn't get money back anymore? Uh, is that I why think, you stayed? I started, or I started working in like February. So oh yeah, you were past the point. I could be yeah. past the point, but it was also important for me to finish. I wanted to yeah to finish the well, program and get my diploma. Well, I think yeah, once you hit February, you know, yeah, it, it might have been different if it was like September, October. You never know because then you're going, man, I've got work. 
do I really want to go through seven more months and I can get like 80% of my money back, you know? Yeah. But yeah, once you hit that halfway point, you were totally beyond the point of getting anything back. So you might as well finish it. Yeah, I was in so, at that point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I hear that. Huh. When did you go to DC then? Or what was your first gig over there? Because I swear, I, I re, you know, I thought you only inked, maybe it is just a handful of stuff in the whole, you know, career stuff at Marvel. But I didn't think you inked that much at Marvel at all. I thought you inked like a couple things over Sergio and that was it. No, it's funny. I worked on Sergio at DC stuff. I'll tell you that story in a second. Uh, I did like a bunch of stuff at Marvel for a few months. And then I went to the Javits Center. There was a convention at the Javits Center and uh, I met Tomasi, Pete Tomasi. Who ends up, you know, all these years later, one of my my best friends in the world. And I filled in my samples at DC. And he was like, yeah, these are good. I'll show these around at the meeting. And I met another guy, an editor at the time, Pat Garrahy, mm-hmm. who is not in the business anymore. And uh, he hired me pretty much on the spot to work on, um, what was it? It was Deathstroke number zero. Because mm. they were doing the, the zero hour thing or whatever that was at the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, the penciler on that was Sergio Cariello. Oh. And so Sergio was in my class at the Kubert School, and he was, I mean, from day one, by far, like, the most talented uh, out of all of us. Like, he was ready to work uh, from day one of the first year. You know, he was just, he's, he's really gifted. And so Sergio was, like, one of my best friends in school. Like, we were really, like, go to the movies a lot, eat a lot together, you know, come by my apartment a lot. So next thing you know, we're both hired to do Deathstroke and uh, I'm working on half of an issue and Sergio got me fired. He didn't like my inks on Deathstroke. <laughs> he told me that. Seriously? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so he, you know, he complained to the editor and the uh, next thing you know, Sergio had me bounced off the book. I can't believe he didn't come to you first and just be like, hey man, I just want to talk to you about what you're doing. Uh, you know, we're both very young in the business at that point. So I think, and, you know, for him, maybe it was like, not that my inks were bad. I mean, they weren't great. I was just starting out. Right. But maybe it was his chance to work with like a real, quote unquote, real inker. Not, you know, this kid that, you know, he's been more or less coaching at points, you know, during our time in the school together. So who know. who picked up the job? Do you remember? So Fred Fredericks, an artist named Fred Fredericks, inked the second half of that book. Oh, I bet he was regretting getting you fired after that. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> well, no, because Fred Fredericks was an old school guy. He, he was, was old a, school. He, I talked yeah. to him a few times on the phone back in the day, and I don't know if anyone even remembers Fred Fredericks anymore, but, I mean, he was in the business for years and years and years. Yes. And uh, a sweetheart of a guy, like, you know, maybe one of the nicest guys I've talked to ever. When I would when I would talk to him, so anyway, so Sergio got me fired, and it's only because I'm such a great, big-hearted person that Sergio and I are still friends all these years later. Just so you guys know, it's just because I'm an amazing human being. I overlooked that. That's <laughs> I've heard that about you. Yeah. No. And then uh, so they moved me. The editor Pat Gary moved me over to Teen Titans instead of Deathstroke. 
with another, I can't remember the pencil's name, but he was also new. And then Will Rosado, pencil name Will Rosado took over that book. And Will and I didn't get along as pencil and anchor. We get along very well as people, but right. creatively we didn't get along. Uh, but we worked together, you know, and uh, uh, I forget what I did. Eventually I moved off that book onto something else. I'll, I'll, I'll piece the timeline together in my mind in a second. I think I think it was from Titans to maybe Aztec, the Ultimate Man. Okay. Or maybe there's something in between there that I can't remember. Hmm. So what I'm hearing is when you inked me at DC on a couple things, the very first job you inked me on, all I had to do was call the editor and say you sucked and I could have got somebody else and we'd still be friends. God damn it, Keith. Yeah, I know Why am I your friend? Certainly Why am I only me. hearing this now? <laughs> he he made you sweat it out. <laughs> but you know, it's funny. Like I think back uh, at that time in my career and I had no idea like on how thin the ice was that I was standing for my entire career. Like I could very easily have been fired from Deathstroke and have never worked again. Right. Uh, and I was completely oblivious to that, you know, I, cause at that point I had left Marvel to go to DC cause they offered me a monthly book. Right. Bob Harris wasn't answering my calls anymore at Marvel if I would call him back, you know? So if, if, if Pat didn't put me on Titans and I didn't get that chance to kind of like show that I'm a really good deadline guy and a really hard worker. And I really try to improve on every job. Uh, who knows where I'd be? I'd, you know, be working at McDonald's right now, maybe. Where were you living at in uh, Jersey when you were going to the Kubrick school in the third year? I lived, uh, there was some, I forget the name of them, but there's some apartments near the Rockaway Mall. Hmm. And I had uh, two roommates who also went to the school, like, like most of us did. And uh, we had a nice little apartment. So when you graduated, did you book it right back to Connecticut? Um... Did I book it? Uh, not, yeah, I think I did. I, there's, at some point, it's fuzzy because it's so long ago now. Like at some point, I spent a week as a colorist at Valiant. Did you really? I did, yeah. Uh, I did some color samples for Valiant. And um, they hired me, and I started going to the Valiant office every day. Yeah. And just coloring what they put in front of me. And then I was kind of like, after a week, I was, and this is again arrogant of me, like no idea like how hard this make living comes up with the thin ice that you're standing on is like at all times. I was like, oh, I don't really want to be a colorist. So I just left and I never called them. No way. Happened to me. I just went home for the, for the summer. Oh and uh, I've done that once, but it was never in comics. It was at the, I was, it, it is funny though, cause it's a keyboard school tie in. In my third year at the keyboard school, I got a job at, I don't know, whatever grocery store in town, you know, at Dover. I can't remember the name of the grocery store, but you know, it was, it was a big chain and I showed up and they're like, okay, go out and get the carts and, you know, be a cart boy. I did it for 45 minutes and I was like, man, F this. <laughs> I just got my car and left. I didn't tell anybody. I just, I was, I walked past my car with a line of carts and I was like, yeah, this sucks. I <laughs> just pushed the carts, got in the car, and left. But I've never done that in cops. No. Well, I, I didn't know any better. I was just like, I'm going to go home and see my girlfriend for the summer. And then 
I think like a month or two later, someone from Valiant called me. It might have been Joe St. Pierre or, uh, or Mike Cavallero, maybe, that called me. I was like, hey, what happened to you? We thought you were dead or something. <laughs> <laughs> Just went home. Yeah, Just Mike was in my class at the Kubert School. Yeah. But, you know, I think sometimes maybe I should have stayed at Valiant. I, I mean, who knows what road that would have led to, but it was kind of cool. I was so shy at the time, though. Like I was afraid to talk to any of these guys, and you know, I just sit there at my at the at the drawing table with a, some some peach martin dyes, yeah, with my head down and just completely afraid and not feeling like I belong there. Well, because of Valiant, when you were coloring stuff there, it wasn't, if I remember right, you weren't doing colored guides like at Marvel. You were what you colored was going to be printed. Yeah, it was like hand painting on the, on yeah. the copies of the pages. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, that would have been, for me, that just would have been nerve wracking. So, oh, yeah. And it just, and I felt like these guys were all like professionals. These are the real deal. And I was just a little kid who didn't belong there. And, uh, you know, I, I really was like, there was a couple of guys that, that would talk to me, but I was really afraid to like be outgoing and uh, to chat with anybody for like fear that they'd figure out I don't belong there. Right. So maybe, so maybe like psychologically, I left them before they could throw me out. Maybe that's the breakthrough. Maybe this is like a this is like a sitting on a counselor's couch here, learning a lot about. Tell me about your mother. <laughs> that's why we're here. <laughs> well, so you broke in. It sounds like basically doing inking, but I know you've you've done writing, you've done penciling. I mean, you pretty much done the gamut. So. How did they suddenly say, "Here, why don't you write this, or why don't you draw this instead of just inking it?" I mean, how do you get? How do you break into a, a complete different segue? Well, I mean, with writing, it, it was a process of. I would every time I'd finish inking a book for DC, and mm -hmm. I, I was lucky to have monthly work from DC for years and years and years. Mm -hmm. uh, I would, you know, deliver the pages, the last batch of pages, to the offices in New York. And then go out for lunch. And every time I came in, I would pitch something. I would have, you know, a couple of ideas, you know, and, and I would talk to the editors and, and they'd say, no, you can't write. You're an anchor. Go away. But at what point did you start doing that? Like, you know, four Maybe years like after you broke like in? A couple of years, probably after yeah. I broke into DC, I started feeling comfortable enough and, and getting to know the guys and girls there enough, uh, you know, in a friendly way that they'd listen to me. Right. Uh, and, and then they would laugh at me and they'd throw me out of the office. But I kept coming back and eventually uh, it was Maureen McTeague, who was an editor at the time and who was mm -hmm. a, a sweetheart of a human being. She gave me like a five page uh, secret origin story or a three page story to write. She was like, you know, I like the way that you keep trying like every month to come in and, and try to do this. I feel bad for you. I'm going to. <laughs> I feel bad. You're I just like, like that pup walking over, just patting you on the head. <laughs> you're like that. You're like that away. puppy nibbling at my ankles. Here, here's Pretty a much. treat. And she, so she said, "Here, go write this and go away and leave us alone now." So I wrote it, and they hated it. No way. Yeah, I don't think anyone was was too blown away. And actually, I got Sergio to draw it. That's how good a friend I am. Even though he got me fired, <laughs> oh, I did still it came see? back and said, "Serge, would you draw this? My first story." Did it see print? Yeah, it's printed. It's in Secret Origins something or other. It's so they hated it, but they bought it. 
Oh, yeah. No, they bought it and they paid me for it. And I think the editor leaned on it pretty heavy. That's what I was going to ask. I mean, I would assume, you know, it's your first writing gig. It doesn't matter if it's three pages or 20. If they read it and, you know, they hate it, which is pretty, you know, pretty hardcore to say. But still, if they hate it, you'd think they'd go, okay, look, here's some notes. You need to revise this and do this to make it better, you know. Yeah, I would assume. I think no one ever gave me any notes. They just, you know, I think they just took it in and fixed it up a little bit and then uh, gave it to Sergio to draw. Sergio did a good job on it. And then from there, it was, you know, two years of not writing anything else for DC. Until finally, uh, I wrote an issue of Legion, which, uh, what was the context of that? I Man, think I at the know. time, I think Steve Wacker gave me an issue of Legion to write, or no, Mike McAvenny gave me an issue of Legion to write as I was working on Superboy with him. And Andy Lanning was the writer at the time and Dean Abnett. And so they, you know, they he cleared it with them first. And I'm like, yeah, it's fine. Let him write an issue. It'd be great. So I wrote an issue and then McAvenny left the staff and it just kind of sat there. And then Wacker took over Legion and had Steve Lytle draw it. And, uh, oh, that's cool. So I got, you know, Steve took forever to draw it. Rest in peace, Steve Lightfield. And where did they go from there? So he, it took him a long time to draw it. And then right before the book got canceled, they had a few issues at the end that they had to plug some stuff into. So they just they published it. And then after that, uh, people really liked the Legion issue. And then they gave me Green Lantern Corps to write uh, a few issues of that. And then we went from there. Everything started working out pretty smoothly. Oh. Yeah, that's cool. I remember the Green Lantern stuff. I knew about the Legion just after Steve passed because you posted something on Facebook, I think. Yeah, about the one issue. He was a nice guy. Yeah, that was uh that was shocking. I don't know how, you know, at because he wasn't that old. He wasn't even was he just sixty? He was in his early sixties, I think, but it was COVID related. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, a heart attack due to COVID. His heart right. was working too hard. I just wonder what he's done, like, over the past. Because, you know, he was, pre- he was you know, pretty prolific in the 80s. But yeah. then the 90s, because I took over Quasar from him, because I guess he just wasn't fast enough. Because he only did, like, an issue and a half. And then I came I mean, in on that. He wasn't fast. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So I just wonder what he did, you know, to make I a living. I wonder, like, how do guys make a living? Um, when they're, if you don't see their name every month, you kind of forget about them and then they pop up on a random issue or something at some point. And then I think like, how is this guy making a living? He's not doing comics full time clearly, but Steve, I guess found a way to make a living. Who knows what he was doing? You marry well. (laughs) Maybe. Maybe. I don't think you're married to a doctor, but. For for some of us, that is the key. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, well, the one I was kind of curious about, because I know you worked, you know, for the big ones, but I wound up for for those that could see it, oh, yeah, yeah. Stranger Things. So I was sitting there, we were just talking right before you came on. I'm like, oh, I know something he worked at. I always keep it here because I love these. How did you get involved with Stranger Things, especially being a, 
project from you know Dark Horse, and how, how'd you get roped into that? Because that that's pretty cool. Yeah, I have no idea. Um, <laughs> they just called. They just they just called. I I had done a ink a series called Ghost for Dark Horse, maybe like a year earlier or two years earlier than than Stranger Things, uh, and then I inked. Couple, couple of things, uh, hardcover graphic novel ink for them. I forget what it's called. And then um, hmm. a zombie book that Bill Morrison wrote I worked on. And then out of the blue, like a few months later, I got an email from the editor of Stranger Things uh, saying, do you want to work on Stranger Things? And I was like, yes, I do want to work on Stranger Things. I very much would like to work on Stranger Things. And you were a fan of the show? Yeah, a fan of the show. And like... When I first got the gig for like five minutes, like my my son's old my older son's friends thought I was cool because I was associated <laughs> with Stranger Things. Five minutes. I mean, it, it faded pretty quickly, but sure, like five minutes of glory, and uh, that's been a, an amazing, amazing gig. I've done three series of Stranger Things now for Dark Horse, and I think I got, I think I'm going to start writing a little bit of Stranger Things on the next one. That was what I was cool. Oh, that's cool. That is awesome. Yeah, that's so, really cool. I didn't fun. know you did three. I only thought you've done two because each yeah. one's four issues, right? And yeah, each one's four issues. I did the first series, the second series, and the fourth series. And I think oh, wow. there's more Hawkins in the end in my future, one way or another. I mean, I, dumb question, but the fourth series is come and gone, right? I mean, it's been out, right? It's not like they're I sitting. I just finished up like a month ago or something. Is that the Dungeons and Dragons? No, it's uh, the Science Camp one. With okay. Dungeon. Because I know you did six, and I know you did the original one. Yeah, the original one is probably, like, the highest-selling book I've done since X-Men with, with Moderera, like, you know, 25 oh. years ago. Like, the sales on Stranger Things were amazing. Oh. When in the hell is season four coming out on Netflix? Does anybody know? What the hell? <laughs> I mean, the thing, seriously, it's in the can. The thing shot, as far as I know, it was supposed to, I thought it was supposed to be like, you know, always around Halloween because of the, you know, the show. And it's just like, what are they doing? Well, maybe they're waiting for Halloween of this year. Oh, be. Or, uh, I think the thing I'm supposed to write is takes place on the 4th of July. So maybe it's something with that. I don't know. Oh, so that means if that if that's the case, you, I mean, you'd be starting that pretty soon, wouldn't you? I would think so. Yeah. Yeah. You just haven't finish, heard yet. I got to finish another project for Dark Horse, and then I'll figure out what's going on with that. Ooh, is that a secret one, or can you tell us? No, it's called Apex Legends. It's based on a, a video game, like a Fortnite kind of video game. Dennis, have you heard of it? You video game guy, you? I've heard of it, not played it. Yeah, it's it's fun. I'm doing it with my buddy Neil Edwards, who's a great artist. So that hasn't come out yet then? No, I just finished the second issue like a week ago. What is it, like four issues or something? Or? Four issues. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, Are you inking it as well or is somebody else yeah, inking it? I'm inking it. So you're writing it and inking it? No, no, I'm just inking it, not writing oh, it. Oh, 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 I thought you were writing it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Just, uh, just me and my iPad having fun. Right. Cool. Well, that's cool. He hasn't fired you yet, so, you know. No, no, Neil's great. I don't know. <laughs> Neil Edwards is like, you know, he, not a protege of Brian Hitch, but, you know, 
Brian Hitch did take him on his wing a little bit and give him some pointers. Sure, so sure. He, he kind of draws in that school. Mm-hmm. He's kind of like, he's a sort of a genius of comics that no one has really picked up on yet in a lot of ways. Like, he's really fantastic. Yeah, no, I, I followed the stuff he did at DC for a while. So, yeah. you know, he totally is, like you said, you could tell he was influenced by Brian. I assumed he worked with him. So Yeah, he's really, and he's the, like the sweetest guy in the world. Like, I, he's a great guy. So, like, a really easy guy to work with and a real talent, which is the two things that are my favorite things about people in this business. He said those things about me. How can there be more than one sweetest guy in the I world? I lied with you. I wasn't He's, really. God damn it. <laughs> Son of a. God, you suck. <laughs> <laughs> well, so when's the next time you two are going to hook up on a project? You and Andy. Uh, Andy and I are working on a project for heavy metal right now that I wrote and Andy is finishing up the art on the first chapter of heavy metal. Magazine, oh. which is a lot of fun. Oh, the um, art. People can, say the word. Huh? people can say the F word in this project because it's heavy metal and there's some. <laughs> and, and they situations. can, and they can, and apparently they can perform the F word as well. <laughs> they can. <laughs> um, <laughs> not that i would ever write for stuff like that <laughs> i did i admit it no it was, it's fun it's a whole different like uh sensibility to try to make something for adults or something that's a little more uh edgy you know i mean the, the underlying thing is always like tell a good story oh, but of then, course yeah you know but then the, the frosting on that cake is a much different flavor than the regular right. superhero comics. It's good times. What's cool. going on with um, uh, the Mighty? Anything? Yeah, there's stuff going on with the Mighty. I can't tell you what it's going on, though, because it hasn't been announced yet. Oh, okay. Oh. But, yeah, the Mighty is coming back. I can tell you cool. that much. That's and, cool. Uh, yeah, it is, it's really cool, because that's, you know, I love working with Tomasi, writing with Tomasi. We have a great friendship and a great or uh, we think the same in terms of story in a lot of ways. Here's a good question for people. How does that co-writing work? Cause I, I, make him, I, I make him do all the work. Right. That sounds about right. I take half the money. No, yeah, that's about right. No, we, we alternate. We, we, we'll take lead, lead on different things or, you know, he'll do a first draft for, of something and then I'll do the, the revision or vice versa. Uh, the Mighty right. started out as a screenplay that Tomas and I wrote together years ago. And, uh, you know, it was shopped around Hollywood and it was um, optioned. And we had a meeting with Stan Lee, who was involved at one point. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they never made the movie. And then we were like, let's try to do it as a comic. And then Hollywood would buy the comic and make a movie that way. Right. So, so we made the comic which has been optioned uh, several times as a movie, but still hasn't been made. Uh, but, you know, it was an easy gig to write because we just gave the artist the screenplay and said, here, go draw this. But that goes back, Mighty goes back, what, before 2010? Yeah, the Mighty came out in like 2008 or 2009, and we wrote it in 2001 as a screenplay. Oh, did you really? Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah, years and years ago. So, I mean, we've lived with this thing for a long time. Right. And it's exciting to have it come back a little bit. This, you know, I don't know if it'll be this year or early next year when it's out in print again, but uh, it's going to be fun. Oh, that's cool. 
That's very cool. Yeah, it's uh, very near and dear to my heart, that project. Well, I was going to say, out of everything, isn't that probably one of the one of your favorites or your favorite? Definitely one of my one of my favorites. Yeah, it's in the top yeah. three. You know, and not a lot of people have read The Mighty. It was never like the X Men or like Stranger Things, or it was the most popular book of all. But I'm very proud of it. Like I think it's maybe one of the strongest things I've ever been involved with. Right. You know, uh, from a writing standpoint and from an art, like we had Peter Snyberg did the first four issues, and then the young kid Chris Somney came on board and handled the last eight issues. And he had never done much at that point. Uh, and look what he's going on to become. Like Chris Omni is like the god of comics now. Oh yeah, he's huge. And uh, yeah, he's great. He's great to work with too. Yeah, no, that's really cool. Um, oh my God, what was I gonna say? What made you, so when you were a kid growing up, obviously I assume you collected comics because you went to the Kubert school. Yes. But when did when did you find out about like the Sherlock Holmes? How did you figure that out? You know, I'm a genius. Um, look, Agent Cub here agrees with us. You need more <laughs> comics on your spinner rack, pal. <laughs> Agent Cub, I just moved not too long ago. I gotta fill up the the rack again. He's lazy. Um, well, <laughs> what so was what was the first comic you bought? Do you remember what it was? I we always ask everybody that. Ah oh, man. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Technically, it was the first one. Well, that you remember. The first one I really remember. I don't even know the name of the comic, but it was had Morbius, the living vampire in it. And this is probably like 1974. And I remember there was a monster in the comic and the thing was covered in eyeballs. Like it had eyeballs in its palms and eyeballs on its fingers. And, you know, its whole body was covered in giant eyeballs. And Morbius had to fight that thing. Any recollection there, Dennis? No, I'm thinking it's that's not ringing a bell with me at all. No, because the first thing I think of with Morbius is either his did he have a comic back then? He didn't have his own book back then. It might have been like you know, Journey into Nightmares or or Chillers know. or something. Well, the first thing I always think of with him is Spider-Man from that time. Well, period. Spider Spidey 101 was his first appearance, so I mean it it was probably one of the appearances right after that. I just wonder what it would have been in, like a spotlight or something like that. But that's pretty cool. Yeah, I, I should probably Google that and figure out what comic that was and get it back. Uh, it'd be fun to look at it again with grown up eyes. And my, my older brother and I, you know, like we didn't know how to read yet. But we would just like touch the pictures. Like every panel, we would just like go through the book and touch the panels. And oh, I did that with Playboys. I, uh, well, me I'd too. go through and touch all the pictures. I was there with you when you did that. Right, but I wasn't using my hands. <laughs> oh, I thought it was your pinky. Well, <laughs> you're giving my pinky a lot of credit. My pinky's, you know, that's a lot of balls. It is. Uh, yeah, you're giving my pinky a lot of credit. Not really. So. I, I was like, wow, this pinky's not circumcised. It's weird. <laughs> It's pointy. <laughs> got two tumors beneath his pinky. What the hell? It's not the Those tumor. Those are weird knuckles. Look at those weird hairy knuckles. That's weird. Anyhow, so um, when did you discover the Kubert School? And I assume it was an ad in a comic like I did. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was an ad in the comic. <laughs> Wasn't that the one where it's draw this picture and send it in? No. 
No, no. I did draw that picture and sent it in, though. It was a turtle I drew. I yeah, I did that, too. That. Yeah. I don't think I ever got any feedback on that thing. No, I think yeah. it was the ad in the comics. And then yeah. uh, after high school, I took a year off and then started going to regular college, like, you know, part-time and then full-time building back in. And my art teacher at the school I was going to said, why are you going here? Like, we don't, <laughs> we can't teach you anything that you want to want to learn. Right. And, uh, and so she really encouraged me. Like she looked at my stuff and she's like, yeah, you should try to go to this cartoon school. So I, I got accepted. I, she gave me the courage kind of to, to make that leap. Look at this. Well, that could be it. Adventure into Fear 29. That could be it, Dr. Mask. I'm going to have to Google it on my other screen just to see now. Yeah, now see, that's what it is. I'm going, I'm that would going be to, amazing if someone figured it out. I'm going it's, to Google it. it. Especially if he if he did it just off the top of his head. I know. There, there are guys like that. They just know. I know. Everything. You're one we, of them. We've got guys. a friend of ours. We, we call him the doctor. I mean, he knows the first appearance of anybody, anything. for any, So we tested him. And we were like, Captain Marvel, when she got the first time she was ever got the stash on her, on her uniform, Oh, Captain Marvel 20. Knew it just off the top of his head. We're like, is that right? So we actually had to go look. It was. Just That's knows amazing. everything. All right. Are you ready for this? This is, let's see. I, I can't make it any bigger, but that, is that it? Can you see that, Keith? Uh, let me get my reading glasses. With it. It's a Dude, it's a guy. It's a green guy with a bunch of eyeballs all over his body. I think that's it. It was written, <laughs> it was written by Bill Manlo. Cover artist Ron Wilson. Oh, Don Heck did the guts. Oh, Dude, man. you have got to get this book. What is it? Adventure into Fear number 29? Yeah. Write that down. I'm going to order that tonight. Dude, seriously, you got to get yourself one. I, I, you know, I think it's so cool if people can go out and track down the first, uh, you know, the first book they had. Because, yeah. you know, I was, I remember the first one I bought, but then, my brother was going through some old pictures uh, last year and he shared them with me. And there was a picture from like, Oh, you know, I the remember that. I remember yeah, the mid that on I was sitting on my mom's lap and my brother was next to her and she was reading a book and you could see, you could kind of see the cover. And then there was another book on the table and it was the on the table. Cause I hunted him down was the iron man with the Kirby cover where he's coming right at you and he has the nose. And then oh, it the was an issue of Marvel team up with uh, Spider-Man and I think Iceman. So I tracked them both down. So yeah, I remember that. And, and I think someone on your, on that thread on your Facebook, like figured it out. Like what it was. Yeah. Cause I couldn't tell what the one she was holding was and somebody figured it out. But yeah, yeah. dude, you should get that. That's freaking, that's cool. Get it, yeah. And then, I mean, even back in the, you know, in 74 or whatever it was when I had that comic, it didn't have the cover on, I don't think. Like, it was already, like, chewed up. So I'm going to get myself a nice, like, 9.8 copy. There you go. That's right. Well, it's, oh, it's 1975. Oh, see, I'm, so I'm not that far off. My no, you were pretty no, close you're, to that, too. You're real close. Google is evil. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I tell you, I'm going to... I'm clicking the eBay link. This eBay link, oh, that one sold, but it sold for uh, $11.99. Oh, that's, so. like, that's a good price for an old comic like that. I think. Yeah. 
Especially yeah, in nice shape. But it's a good read. I, I do not Thank you, Dr. Mask. Dr. Mask is the man or yes. the woman. Or Google is definitely evil. <laughs> yeah. No, I, 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 have, I have a hard time. The first one I ever bought was uh, E-Man number one. And oh. that was just cool back then. And I was like, oh, don't know who this is, but he looked cool. And, and I picked him up. And the first one I that I got that my dog ate. So my dog, we used to go on family trips. And back then we could sit in the back of the pickup truck. We had a cap on it. And we would drive for hours just laying in the back reading comics. So I had all my comics in an old skate box. And my golden retriever, when we went in, <laughs> ate the box and ate all my comics. Oh, the, the one that he ate, though, that I can't. So that was the first one I bought. The first one that I had gotten was actually, and it, it, it makes me sad now because I'll never be able to replace it. I had a buddy from school. We all went to his birthday party. It was Star. We had. It, this is when Star Wars came out. And oh, I remember there this was story. nothing you could get. He wanted a Star Wars party. His dad was a traveling salesman, came home. We had a Star Wars party. And the only thing that we got that was Star Wars related, because in 77, 78, there wasn't anything out. We got a comic book because they had done the adaptation. But we had gotten the variant back then. We didn't know it was the variant. It just had a different price on it. Well, that was really cool. I remember rolling it up, sticking it into my back pocket. I went home, and on that trip, my dog ate my E-Man number one, ate my Star Wars variant edition, and now I'm like, you know, I really would like to replace both of those. I'll never re – I got E-Man now, but I'm never going to be replacing that Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. Especially the variant. Right. Yep. And there, there were like 10 of us at the party, and all 10 of us got one of them. I would be curious to know if anybody ever kept them or if they were like me and they're they're all lost. Bad dog. That's the moral of that story. Bad dog. It was. We exactly. only had that dog two years. Ate lots of things. Almost makes me cry. I know. I know. I had a lot of my Fantastic Four and, uh, and some of my old X-Men in there at that time. I know. Luckily, you've recovered. You still have a couple of comics in your collection today. I got a few floating around here and there. <laughs> As you can see behind them. You have Adventure into Fear, number 29, back there by any chance? I don't. That's what I was just going to say. I'm almost positive I don't. Because a lot of the Fear comics, um, you know, that wasn't something that I collected. The horror, the Fear ones. I do every once in a while, but that wasn't my mainstay. I did get hit up. Jackson hit me up today, and he, he's got a slabbed 8.0 of Captain Britain number eight. And he goes, Oh, I know you want this one. And I'm like, I was, at, I was at the gym, and I'm like, Well, it's first Psylocke, but it's 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 the UK one. I've never seen it here, and it was one of the few X-Men that I needed of first appearances. And I could not I've never seen one here at a convention ever. So when we went to London a few years ago, I was I went through all the comic shops that I could find over there. Guess what the guy had on his wall? Number eight. Matter of fact, hey, I actually have to show you. Because he did not believe that I had it. And the guy had it over in London, actually signed by Claremont. 
Oh, wow. Yeah, because it's oversized and stuff because he goes, he wanted to sell me his. And I'm like, dude, I've got an 8.0 signed one. He's like, ha ha, no, not the new mutants. We're talking. And I'm like, no, 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 no that one. Don't, don't you worry. So yeah, that was my kind of fun one. That was this morning. That's a good morning. Yeah, that's fun. When you went to the keyboard school, I assume you went with the intention of wanting to pencil. More. Yeah, I, I did. I wanted to pencil. That was my always my intention. Well, I was going to be. Like I was, I wanted to be John Byrne, you know, and write and pencil and, and, and ink stuff, you know, and then it didn't quite work out that way, but that's okay. I don't enjoy penciling. I, I can draw okay, but I just, I second guess everything and it takes me forever to, to, to actually do a page. And with inking, you know, time is money and I can make more money inking more pages faster than I can penciling. And also I get to work with guys who are really, really good at penciling as opposed to like my average, you know, to mediocre pencils. So right. the comic world is better off that way. <laughs> I do sometimes think like, you know, maybe in my free time I'll, I'll write and draw a graphic novel. And then I think about how much work it is <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you know, to, do, to do like a 64 page graphic novel by myself. Uh, and I just go back to watching TV. <laughs> exactly. So you, do you enjoy inking more? What is your preference? If somebody said, here's a book, you can either write it, pencil it, or ink it, which would you prefer? I would always, I would always write it. Oh, okay. Always, I would always write. I love to write the most of, of anything that I do. You know, huh. it's just, it's the most mentally engaging and it makes me feel the most creative. Yep. Um, I like to ink. Like I, I enjoy it. I especially like working with different pencilers. And, uh, and trying to bring out the good things in their art that could maybe get lost, uh, you know, without me, which maybe is arrogant. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, I would always write. Okay. So, yeah, I would go, I would go writing, inking, and then like 35 rungs more down the ladder, uh, pencil. Yeah. There you go. And, and, and over the years, like I used to feel like I had to prove I could draw too, cause I was just an inker. I don't care anymore. Like I'm happy just to be an inker. I don't need to prove anything to anybody. Right. Yeah. So if you could ink any penciler, living or dead, Ooh, who would yeah. it be? Man, that's a tough one. I would say off the top of my head. Well, you can pick three, three or four. Uh, I would say, well, see, I've gotten to work with like my hero, John Byrne. I got to write what? a story for him and ink it. So he's not on the list now, but he, he would be number one if I didn't already, you know, work with him. And he was great to work with, by the way. Mm -hmm. uh, John Buscema would be a big one. Oh, yeah. Mm. Uh, also, Sal Bissama. I love the Bissama brothers. And I think, like, if I could be inked by somebody, I was thinking about this today, actually. Uh, I would love to be inked somehow by Bob Oxner, who I think is, like, a forgotten genius at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He was amazing. And, oh, he was uh, great. Also, I let him ink. I don't know. Maybe, like, I was always a fan of, like, Keith Pollard. Oh, maybe, yeah. You know, maybe something yeah. like that. You know, that uh, I always loved his work. He was never the biggest name in that time period, but. No, but he was great. He was he consistent. Was yeah. You know, he did a few issues of Green Lantern back in the 80s I really liked. I just picked up the uh, um, Black Panther Essential, you know, phone book thing. And he's got a few jungle actions in there that are really nice. Um, 
Yeah, and he's real nice. I met him at a con back in 19. He's just, a, he's a really nice guy. Man, I never, never met him, but I would, I would like to and just say, hey, thanks for all that great work. Like, a big part of my childhood was, you know, Keith, Keith Pillard. And also because his name was Keith, that was really cool for me because I was like, oh, look, <laughs> here's another Keith, and he's doing it. And it was where you could say we, we, it was Keith and Keith that did it. Exactly. That's right. Keith squared. <laughs> so what, what are you watching now that's good? Anything? Netflix? What do you, what do you got? Let's see if there's any crossover. Oh, do you have, um, you don't have Apple TV, do you? I do have Apple TV. Yeah. Have you watched Mythic Quest? No, I, you know what the problem with Apple TV is like, I watched, I got Apple TV to watch Ted Lasso, which I loved. Oh, that was awesome. And then, like, Apple TV awesome. logged me out, and I'm just too lazy to log myself back into Apple TV. <laughs> so I keep paying, you know, the $5 a month for Apple TV, and eventually I have to go to the rigmarole of getting myself logged back in to watch their shows. Isn't it just uh, your, it's you know your I watched, Apple? I watched uh, last night, and I finished it this morning. There was a documentary called You Cannot Kill David Arquette. What was that is, on? Uh, it's about David Arquette's time in the wrestling business when he was in WCW. And yeah, but what 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 platform? Is oh, it's on Hulu. Okay. Well, we and, know it's uh, not Apple TV. Right. <laughs> Apple TV. Uh, I came away from that documentary like, first of all, wanting to hang out with David Arquette, who seems like a genuinely great human being. Uh, but what a great! If you're into professional wrestling, which was a big, I did forget my password. <laughs> your, your password's password. We know it. Yeah, yeah just try that. Um, uh, great documentary for people that like wrestling. It kind of takes you behind the scenes a little bit of what was going on in WCW at the time and how they reacted to Dave Arquette being the champion. And also a great comeback story about this guy who just really loves wrestling and just wants to be respected by the people in the business and what he puts himself through for the next 18 years to uh, to get there. Like. Uh, it was a great documentary. I really recommend it. I'll have to check that out because I didn't realize he actually won the championship WCW belt. Yeah, it was like a stunt. He was in right. a movie at the time, like a wrestling movie. I remember the movie. And they were like, let's put the belt on him to get some publicity for the wrestling too. Oh. And uh, and then the wrestlers all hated it. They're like, what are you doing? You can't give it to this guy. This is a joke. You're making a right. joke out of our whole business. And that really hurt his feelings because he he it wasn't his fault. He just wanted to come in he loved wrestling, always wanted to be in the business, and it all went wrong for him, you know, and uh, really, like, check it out. I, it was very moving in its own way. Oh, no, I'll definitely. I like Dave Arquette. I'll I do, too. I will. I do, too. I never heard of it. And I especially, I especially like him after seeing the documentary. Like, what a great guy he seems like. Dude, I'm telling you, if you can get back into your Apple TV. Did you ever watch It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia? You did, right? No, I've never watched it. All right. Well, Mythic Quest is created by those guys, mm -hmm. and it stars one of them. And um, it's basically about a guy that created a video game, and it's a you know it's a billion dollar whatever game. MMORPG. Yeah. Okay. There you go. Those words, initials. Nerd. It's really good. Um, Ted Lasso was great though. I watched Ted that. Lasso. I Ted think Lasso made me feel so good. Watching yeah. that show, especially like in the middle of the pandemic, and uh, just to watch something optimistic with a, a character that was <laughs> just nice. Yeah, you know, that was it. Nicer. He's so just such a, be nice. 
he's such a nice guy. I was, I couldn't, like, I heard how good it was because I didn't watch it until probably a month ago. You know, it was in January, I think, when I when I binged it because I just burned through it in like a weekend. And I was like, holy crap, this is good. Yeah, it was a nice hug, that show. It was like a nice, friendly hug. And I got to say, the woman that plays the owner of the team. She's great, right? What a fun character. She's awesome. And she's easy on the eyes. So Much like Dennis. See? Of course. <laughs> Uh, well, on Netflix, if you like Kevin James, he's got a new show out called The Crew, which oh, is a yeah, half hour. Yeah, I saw that. I didn't, I just I mean, I didn't watch it, it, but I've noticed it. It's pretty good. I watched yeah. all 10 episodes in like two days. It was it was just, you know, it's a good sitcom. So yep. I just okay. started it today. So I'm 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 nowhere near ready for a review, Andy. Hint. Yeah, I know. <laughs> If you like if you like war movies, you could watch Greyhound with Tom Hanks. That's on Apple TV, right? Yeah. Yeah, fuck you. No, no I liked it. No, it, he liked it. Yeah, because it's it good. It wasn't horrible. If you like World War II movies, oh my God, you're going to make me sit down and rewatch it just so I can remember it. It was so forgettable. It is not like a normal Tom Hanks movie. Seriously. It's like I got amnesia. It was... It was mediocre at at best, and uh, you're gonna make me rewatch it so we can review it. I can tell you, I can feel it. Oh yeah, it's not what worth. Was, it. What was the one? You have HBO Max, Keith? Yeah. Oh, you what know was what's the one with show? What on, on Max is a is a Warrior. You guys, oh, I've you guys heard it. Warrior. It's the, the one based on Bruce Lee's like writings that his daughter finally got made into a show. Oh yeah, no, I haven't watched. Are they? They're oh, probably man. what hour long episodes. Watch next. Yeah, they're hour long. So there's two seasons, and it's already two seasons. Yeah, I think they did two seasons on Cinemax, and there's no word on a third season yet because Cinemax, like I don't know if they went out of business or what. They're not doing programming anymore, uh, so they rolled it into HBO Max, and it started to catch on. People were like, "Whoa, this show is amazing," and it really is. Like, what a great show Warrior is. Like, we like kung fu and. And like crime and stuff. Is it present day? No, it takes place in like 1870s San Francisco. Oh, so uh, it's like your childhood, Andy. Pretty much, it's like Andy's childhood. <laughs> well, you 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 like sci-fi, right? Yeah. Does anybody know what Final Space is? I've never heard of it. I have not watched Final Space, so Agent, you'll have to let us know if it's any good since you just started because I haven't watched it. I don't even know. I've never even heard of it. Have you heard of it? No. I've heard of it. I have not seen no. it. Matter of fact, I was going to ask if you'd watch The Expanse. You know, I tried to watch The Expanse, and I just couldn't get into it. Oh. And I feel like there's something wrong with me because everybody says The Expanse is great. I've never it, watched it. It turns into the best sci-fi probably written in the last 20 or 30 years. Yeah, I'm going to give it a shot. Got it through that, that first season. It builds, but and each season gets progressively better. Yeah, I'm gonna put that back on the list. I'm I'm waiting for the new season of Game of Thrones to come out because like I want to find out what happens to Arya when she goes off in that boat to Easteros or wherever it was, Essos. Yeah. What the hell are you talking about? There's no new Game of Thrones, is there? What? And what is you? Mau Mau, what happened to the real superheroes? You you need to let us know what you're talking about, because I have no idea. Uh, Final Space is, oh, an animated cartoon on TBS. Okay. Oh, I'll look that up. 
it's streaming. I said it's streaming on HBO Max. So I mean, that means we'll have we'll have to look it up. Yeah, we'll yeah, look, look it up. up. Yeah, I'm always looking for something good to put in the background while I'm inking, just for like noise. Yeah, I got my wife so good. I gotta just sit down and watch them. Yeah, I got my wife into finally watching Attack on Titans. So I do like uh, anime and stuff, and really that's some of the best anime I've seen in in years. But she's never watched it, so I was like, "Come on, just watch the first season." So she did, and she likes it. So, so let's see. She said, well, "What happened to the real heroes like Spirit and Rocketeer, Tick, Watchmen?" Well, I mean, oh. Spirit DC still owns the Spirit, I guess, right? Uh, I don't know who owns the Spirit anymore. Uh, okay, I mean like Rocketeer. Rocketeer's IDW, the tick comes out every now and then because it's still the tick new never dies. Comic. Like you think the tick is gone, and then they'll do another season. No, that's because evil is always afoot, and he <laughs> exactly. knows. That's right. I remember buying the original tick comics. Yeah, like, in yep. black and white. You know, from oh, the yeah. comic shop, and feeling like I just found like this gem that no one else knew about back in the day. Oh yeah. yeah. They were oversized those. too, weren't they? If I remember, yeah, they were oversized. Yeah. I think the second issue had like a die cut cover where there was a hole cut on the cover. I got it right back there. Yeah, it had a square. Yeah. It was just so square. funny. That book was so funny. Like it was just made me laugh out loud. And then I even like, I think it was New England Comics that put out the tick. Yeah, I think the yeah. first thing I ever tried to do was write a proposal and pitch it. I pitched New England Comics. Like I could, I couldn't even spell at that point. I was, you know. Dude, I would love, like, The Tick is actually one of those things that I I wouldn't do a whole book with what I'm thinking. But basically, if they were like, if if you wrote like a 10-page Tick story and we took it to them and they, they would print it, I could see if they were like, just get it done when you get it done, doing it just to have a Tick story out there. Oh, I would do that any day of the week. Because I, I love The Tick. Oh, the tick is great. What a great character. Oh, yeah. It is. And, and I just is cool. I love Arthur. And the, and the oh, yeah. entire cast is good. Come on, American Made. Yeah. No, even the names of the characters are great. Every yeah. name is funny. Chippendale Chairface was another one that I thought. <laughs> yep. Yeah. 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 Isn't he the one that wrote on the moon? <laughs> yep. Yeah, he wrote on the moon. You know, it's like a weird, like, like a Dick Tracy comedy villains, basically, with their names. I've got the, they put out, they've put out a couple big fat trade paperbacks and I got the one, the first one they put out, which is the whole Ben Edlund product, you know, tick. So it's just all his stuff. Oh, that's so, cool. I'll try to pick that up. Uh, I'll just say, and even the show, I mean, Patrick Warburton. Oh my God. That was my the favorite. Best. I mean, it was perfect. It was perfect. I mean, the Amazon Prime one, I still haven't watched the second season. I, I didn't hate it. I didn't it was hate right. it, but you Patrick Warburton was so good. Yeah, you know, in the costume, I don't think they did the costume any justice in the Amazon Prime one either. You know, strong opinions so, about the tick. Strong know. opinions abound. You know it, spoon. Spoon. I had the action figure. You push the button, and it would go spoon. I still do. Oh, talking one. Wait, you mean the big yeah. one? The big one, yeah. Yeah, I got that right over there. Yeah, it doesn't it anymore. It doesn't talk much. anymore. I grew up. But. I don't have many toys anymore. Oh, just what's that behind you? Well, the Chosen <laughs> Warrior I've had since I was like seven. That's like my. Oh, uh, is that Dan? Dan Gardish? 
The Buddha no, was, like my, Star was my grandfather's before he died, and then Darth Vader, some character that I think right. is going to be popular someday. Because the evil is within you. I get it. Yeah. Shogun Warriors. Now, there's something near and dear to my heart. Oh, I love the Shogun Warriors. Yeah. You remember they? I remember watching. It was like early '80s, '81, and they came on a little shorts on Showtime, and they had one every every month for X number of months. You know. So it was Star Warrior, Star Arrow, Star Poseidon, Dan Garde, Star oh, yeah. Raiden. Yeah. They, that they was great stuff. And then, and then the, the, uh, comics. the comics, the Shogun Warrior and the Godzilla comic at the same time in my childhood. Yep. Like, what a, what a one-two punch that was for me. Yeah. I think I think Herb Trimpey drew them both. It was yeah. Herb Trimpey, yeah. He yep. drew them both. And I think they incorporated in each of them at some point the Marvel heroes in each one. Yeah, point. I remember Godzilla shrunk down to like the size of a mouse. Yeah, he was in the and sewers. They were trying to catch him in New York City, and he was getting bigger every issue. He was starting to grow again. Yeah, that was that was a great storyline when I was a kid. I couldn't wait to find out what was going to happen the next month. And when you're thinking you know, about the Godzilla Kong, I'm sure you've seen the trailer. Uh, I I don't love the new Godzilla stuff. Oh come uh, on, it looks awesome. I know the trailer looks fun. Uh, I don't love the new Kong. I don't love the new Godzilla, but I'll watch it. Like I'm sure I'm going to have a good time with it. Why don't you like the new Kong and Godzilla? I don't know. It's just something about it. It just feels hollow to me. Like it doesn't have the same, uh, not cheesiness, but like the same charm of the original Godzilla. And and I was always a more Godzilla guy than Kong anyway. Uh, out of all of them, Gamera is the one that is my favorite. The the flying space turtle. Oh yeah. Oh, right. But I mean, if you look at it realistically, there ain't no way Kong should beat Godzilla. If they do it right, Godzilla's just going to fry him from two miles away. And oh, yeah. Him. Yeah. No, I hear you. I hear that. Are you looking forward to the four-hour Justice League Snyder cut? No, oh, I could give a shit. Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> I, I can care less. I'm sure I'll watch it, but it's, you know, what am I going to? Oh, I agree with you, Dr. Mask. Yep. Hang on. Yep. Hang on, Dr. Mask. I hate the Avengers. They're disgraced to see. Oh, and it is. It's the big ones, man. It's one of the. Oh big yeah, ones. I got yep. this for Christmas when I was like seven years old, wow. and uh, he's been with me every step of the way. Like every move I've gone through, like Dragoon has come with me. He's went to the Cuba school with me, you know, from house to house as I as I grew up. You know, now he watches over me every day. He's a great toy and also my buddy. I talk to him. Has anything fallen off? Him. Like if stickers falling off of him or yeah, anything? Yeah, he's all, you know, he's all, he's like, what was the Toy Story where they took Woody and they refurbished him? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so he needs some refurbishment like like Woody did. But uh, my favorite possession, like, you know, I'll be cremated someday and they'll cremate him with me. The only toy I have from my childhood, action figure-wise, is my 1983 That's He-Man. Yeah, I loved He-Man too. I'm just missing the sword and the shield. Other than that. This is the one from 1983. And this same thing. Went to the Kubert school with me. Went just everywhere. Yeah. Almost like a good luck charm. You made him jealous. <laughs> yeah, the only one. I actually don't have any of mine. When I went off to college, my mother threw out all my toys. So I had to recollect them. Oh, so, my God. I know. My mother still feels sad because I make her guilty even to this day. I had I, I would too. I, I was the Meeple Star Trek. 
You had oh, that's not nice. Too old? You're never too old for toys, Rankabot. There's no such thing as too old. Never. Never. Especially if you got to stretch Armstrong. Which oh. was very, you know, you should never eat the stuff inside Stretch Armstrong. I learned that when I was a kid. <laughs> I've got the mini. There's a, that, like thick green goo inside Stretch Armstrong. So, so like, how did you get to the goo? That was going to be my question. Well, I think with Stretch Armstrong, you could only stretch him so many times before he would start to split. Okay. Or, you know, if I, took, if I took an arm and my older brother took an arm, we might stretch him way too far. Sure. Even Stretch Armstrong couldn't handle the pressure that we put him under. Oh, no. Uh, but then that stuff came oozing out, and I was like, this is interesting to me. You know, oh. it kind of looks like a green pudding in a way. Ew. Uh, but it didn't taste I, like pudding. Oh, well, that explains a lot. Gross. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah, but AJ Cub, we don't know how old you are. You could literally have an Optimus Prime that's within the past 20 years. Is it a G1? Yeah, it needs to be a G1 to, to really, really mean something there. I assume that means Generation 1. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. The G1s so. were the originals. Oh, we know. My brother, we, we had uh, we had the uh, Optimus Prime and the Megatron, and then Trax, Thundercracker. You know, we had a bunch of them. Oh, yeah, from the yep. 80s. Yep, that is. That's a G1 then. Very oh. cool. There you go. You got that. I, mean, I would get home from school in high school, and it was like the glory days because I would sit down. I watched Transformers, GI Joe, Thundercats. Yep. Uh, you know, in a row, like every day. And then See, the Inspector Gadget would come on. And I would peace out on Inspector Gadget. I had no time for that. Exactly. But, uh, yeah. Cartoon. There was cartoons after school. The Saturday cartoons. But my mother was a, a nurse, and. She would get up at like 6 a.m. and then we had Robotech and Star Blazers on at 6 a.m. So I would have her get me up so that I could watch those early in the morning and then go to school. Robotech was really good back in the day, too. Yeah, so I'm still a big fan of, of Robotech. I made my kids watch it and they're like, Dad, this is gross. How the hell could you even watch this? I'm like, <laughs> if it wasn't for Robotech and Star Blazers and Akira. The stuff wouldn't exist today that, that you guys know about. And they're like, that's not even watchable, Dad. Just just go away. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Just go away. <laughs> oh, my God. That's hysterical. Do you, your kids love you, What's that? Your kids clearly love you. They, they do. I mean, I like for my kids, they grew up with X-Men everything. But my son liked Deadpool. That was what he took away. And my daughter got into manga. And that's what she took away. So they really don't care about any of the stuff that I do. But they found their own path. And that's what's important. That's what they do. My kids could not care less about comic books. Really? Like, yeah. Like they, I think just growing up like inside of it, they just don't care. You know, they, they never, the, the bug never bit them, I guess, the way it did me when I was a kid. And I tried. I would give them comics and stuff to read. But, you know, my kids, I don't know if it's universal now, but kids don't like to read anymore. No, general. they have electronics. Yeah. yeah pretty much. Reading, reading's boring for kids. But yeah. Whatever, not, Dad. It's not yeah, fundamental. <laughs> it's not reading is fundamental. But, yeah, comics really? were a great way to learn to read when I was a kid. It was, like, the best. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, I used to have the flashlight under the sheets and I had my comic books and they'd be like, go to bed. Okay. Lights would go out. As soon as they walked down the hall, flashlight would come out. Comic books would be open and they'd sit up all night and read. Yeah. I was the same yep. way. The kids don't anymore. I no, had no, a no, flashlight under the sheets. <laughs> yeah, but that's for a different purpose. <laughs> what do you, what do you mean? I don't understand what you're implying. What do you, what do you mean? Nothing. <laughs> really confused right now. What did I miss out on when I was a kid? <laughs> Lots of things. Lots of things. No innuendo there. All right, Keith, we're gonna let you go. We uh we've had this was fun. I enjoyed this. Yeah, I hope you did to you too, guys. Keith. Nice to see you again, Dennis. In a couple of years. Yeah, you too. Well, next we'll we'll see you next time you make it to, to Charlotte whenever the country opens back up. Yeah, when we get back to normal, I'd love to come back down to Heroes Con again. That was a good time. Did you yeah. guys see that they they officially canned San Diego? I mean, they we yeah. knew they would. Yeah, they officially did. No surprise. There wasn't much doubt. They're going to supposedly do a three day thing in November. Well, eventually, it, I mean, everyone hang in there, and by you know maybe by end of this year, we're back to normal. Well, did you see C two E two? Because as soon as I saw San Diego was canceled, I was like, well, I'm sure C two E two is. That's always in the spring. C two E 2s dates for this year aren't till December. So really? they already prepared and already yeah, had the dates. Pretty far out, yeah. Yeah, if you go to their website, it has the countdown clock and like they always do, but it's December. So I tell you, I really, I really feel for these show organizers. Yeah, uh, you know, it's a hard, hard way to make a dollar anyway. Oh yeah, and they, you know, they get pushed out like this over and over again. I don't know how these guys are still hanging in there, even trying to promote shows at this point. But we're we're going this weekend. We've got one up in Hickory, so we're we're going to a local one. It's all we can do support the local shows. So um, yeah, we're we're hoping we're hoping it's all right. Oh yeah, knock on wood. Hold on, this guy probably uh, really means it wasn't a flashlight. It was a flashlight, and it was just last week. <laughs> Why is your wife writing you on this thing, Andy? Hey, a man's got to do what a man's got to do. <laughs> yep. Yep, and this is where the show took a turn. <laughs> I don't have to worry about bottom, bottom, bottoming in out on a flashlight. So, <laughs> change the batteries. Well, I feel like I definitely overstayed my welcome at this point. All right. Yep. Everyone, thank you for joining another fantastic interview episode of the Dennis and Andy Show. We'll be back next week with Aaron Lepresti. And uh, until then, thank you again, Keith, for joining us. Thank you, uh, Keith. Good seeing you again. And thanks, everybody, for joining in. And we'll catch you guys on Wednesday when we do our uh, comic book show. So until then, bye, Bye -bye. everybody. Three, two, one. Here we go.